Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Izzy, and I'll be sharing the stories of industry leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs paving a path for future generations to come. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Yellow Brick, which empowers dreamers to achieve their calling. With programs in film, performing arts, streetwear, music, sneakers, and so many more, it's truly taking their students and teaching them their passions, turning their passion into side hustle, and turning their side hustle into careers. So if you're interested, check them out at yellowbrick.co. Honesty Hour. I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started today. What's up, guys? Today, obviously, it's Izzy, but today I am with somebody that um, has really paved the path for people like me and people like him, and has really, after chatting the first time that we had a conversation, I really got to know him from more than just looking at his at his work. And got to see elements of his work just through conversation. And uh, his name is James. James, I appreciate you jumping on today. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, Izzy. Um, so yeah, it's nice to uh, yeah, nice to be here. I'm very excited for this episode because obviously I'm very passionate about just story. And your story is incredible. Um, and your journey is incredible. So we'll be hitting on those those two things for sure. But before we get into the heavy hitting questions and everything like that, do you want to give anybody that's listening today a, a brief, um, not, it doesn't even have to be brief, a kind of look into who, who you are, what, what you do, and why you do it? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Like Izzy said, uh, James Buford, um, I'm a fashion designer, um, product designer for, for Nike, um, worked in sportswear for almost 13 years now, um, <clears throat> dibbed and dabbled, I guess, like in and out of sportswear, but predominantly sportswear has been my, my sector of design and, um, worked with a bunch of different brands from lifestyle brands to, which we'll, we'll probably get into that later. Um, born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into all the, all the bits and details, things will come up later, but, uh, that's like a synopsis of me. I'm, and also like, I'm a, I'm a true artist in the sense of the word artist. So I, I do, um, other things like fashion design and um, music, uh, painting, drawing, uh, sculpture, photography, like you name it. Like I, I've done it and do it from time to time. So, yeah. Multi-talented. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, so when we, when you talk about um, your journey, the first time that we chatted, you said something that really hit me, and I'm gonna have you expand on it a little bit. You said, "I don't need a ton of friends. I just need good ones." And yeah. that quote is very, very especially for people trying to break into this industry or for people just trying to find out their way in life uh, that quote can be really given to anybody so do you want to expand on that and how what was going through your mind when you finally realized like hey i don't i don't need a ton of people around me i just need a few good ones and uh, people that support uh, sure like so my um and it took me it took me years to realize this, but the my trajectory um, as a as a designer um, could pretty much be attributed to all the relationships that I've had. Um, I think from very close friends in college um, to getting my first job, from getting other job opportunities um, after that, we're all can all be attributed to. Uh, relationships that I that I had with different people and either people have mentioned my name um, who appreciated my work or appreciated just our conversation um, a lot of times it wasn't even the work it was just the fact that like oh James is a cool guy or we've we've had some really like in-depth like conversations um, so I think more recently I'd say like in the last six five to six years i realized that um i don't need you know i don't need a lot of friends i just need really good ones and i think a lot of really good people have um helped me get to where i am um i mean i could go into to like specifically my my trajectory but i think like to answer your question i think that's that's the key here is that like managing your relationships and just knowing like just knowing good people when you meet them and like being open to unique conversation um having a point of view on things you might not be knowledgeable of like I've had you know I've met people in different fields this is not even in fashion or design this could be um just people in the world who I've had really unique conversations with and it, and it even led to more design opportunities. So it's like, you never know where the opportunities are coming from. So. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's something that that piece of advice is something I'm going to snip it out. But then also like, <clears throat> it's something that I wish I heard at a young age because I was so focused on pleasing everybody and making sure that people liked me and everything like that. And it's something that a lot of people kind of go through at a young age when they're trying to figure out what, what this thing is, what life is and what it has for them. And it's, it's something to battle between. So moving into your career, um, before we get into your journey on the top, on the same topic of students, what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? I would say the one thing I, I wish I knew was how important 
how how important it was for me to I guess like take whatever I do and and obsess about it like I think that a lot of times as a as when you're just getting started out or um, started um, you have these moments where you're like waiting for someone to teach you (laughs) and you're like you're kind of like looking for the answers but you're not you're looking in the way in a way of like I need someone to tell me versus I need to go find the answers and I I I wish I think there's there's some foundation um stuff that I learned in in fashion and design in college um or just like different opportunities I've had but I think the information is and even more today than then um today the information is so available and with with a lot of online learning opportunities or platforms, um, even given our COVID um, situation where people are quarantined at home, I think more now than ever, it's, you have an opportunity to just go get the information. Um, Whether you're, whether you feel like you're seasoned or you have um, the money or the capital or the capital or the um, know-how, it's like, you could literally watch a YouTube video about anything <laughs> you could. So I think like earlier on, I wish I knew <clears throat> that I, that it was up to me to go get the information. And then I think once people see you reaching for that information and, and like trying to build upon it, you're going to get a lot more help. Um, people are going to see what you're doing and they're going to be like, either, either they're going to say, Hey man, you're doing it completely wrong. But I, I, you know, I, I acknowledge the fact that you're trying and I'm going to help you or or they're going to say, hey, you hit the nail right on the head and I want to help you drive it in even further so that it can be stronger. Um, so I think I think that's what I wish I knew, um, especially in fashion. Like I, I had never sewn a pair of, like anything in my life before college. Like I was in a program with people who who had been sewing since they were younger. So. Now I got to have an idea, I got to take an idea, and I have to construct it on a machine that I've never even used, a sewing machine. Like, so I think, yeah, I, sh- I probably, if, if I really was like into YouTube or, or like online videos, then I probably could have gotten uh, things done a lot faster. Oh, yeah. It's, um, today, the, the times that we live in, it's like education is so accessible to everyone um i I guess as long as you have wi-fi um, (laughs) (laughs) in a sense but even something like yellow brick like i didn't know anything about sneakers i knew i really liked sneakers but i didn't know everything that went into the industry i didn't know every single and i still don't but every single little um, aspect of the industry but for what not even a year of my time i i got a certificate in sneaker essentials and put myself in a position to have a career in something i'm passionate about for literally 99 percent off the cost of my college degree and it's it it's astonishing um that we can just 
open our laptops, go to YouTube, and teach ourselves how to code in three months, or teach ourselves how to draw or anything like that for free. Yeah. And people, I, I feel like uh, there's a lot of people in the world that make it so hard. Uh, I, it might be free, but I don't know if I can do it. Or yeah. it, like just immediately bring negativity to it. But if we can bring some positivity to education and bring some posi- positivity to um, passions, I think it's, I think the, the thing I'm trying to get at here is there's money in your passions. Totally. And while I think uh, being black and brown, we're always told, I mean, for the longest time, I thought I was going to be a lawyer and because, well, I thought I was going to be a lawyer because everybody told me, go be a lawyer because that's where the money's at. Yeah. There's no money in sneakers. There's no money in sports. Oh, man. Yeah. And like, even my fa- degree was fashion. in sports. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Even even fashion. Like, there's, I, I remember telling my mom that I wanted to be a fashion designer. And, I mean, she she was supportive, but. It was like you could see her, you could you could see her brain spinning of like, okay, like what are you gonna, like what are you gonna do with that? Yeah. Like, like it's not, you know, it's not that people don't want to encourage those those um, impulses. It's just like they don't see the day to day, and they don't like you know a lawyer or a doctor. Um, they understand. They're like, oh, okay. So you're gonna, you know, you're gonna help people with legal advice, or you're gonna treat people who are sick. But like, uh, with with fashion um, or design, people are like, they just see the final product. You know, they just walk in the store and they see these dope shoes, or they see like this like nice clothing, and they're just like, okay, what goes into that? Who? It's like this invisible cloak or this invisible curtain. Um, that the world doesn't have any um, view into. And I think now, like you said, with, with the online learning, um, it, it's, it's a huge opportunity for people to get insight. Um, the Yellow Brick Sneaker program that you were talking about, um, those, are, those are opportunities to just like see behind the curtain and really mm-hmm. find out where you want to be behind that curtain and how that that curtain, you know, or, or thing gets funded. Um, so yeah, it's like you get, but you gotta, we have, we have to make sure that young people know that sooner so that by the time they get to the age where they have to choose they they are not crushing their, their dreams because they feel like, Hey, there's no opportunity there. Exactly. While we're sorry, on the topic, sorry to of, cut you off. No, you're good. While we're on the topic of education, you went to Massachusetts College of Art and Design. Correct, yeah. Do you want to talk about your experience there and how that's really uh, shaped you in um, your career journey? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I went to Massachusetts College of Art and Design in, um, in Boston, Massachusetts. And, it, it, you know, as many of you might not know, but, like, uh, it's a college town like like boston in general is is our city it's um there's there's harvard there there's um school of uh performing arts there's 
Northeastern University. There's tons of schools um, that are that were around me um, in that area. So one that that definitely molded the kind of like the multifaceted mindset that I have. Um, and and mass art is like kind of just dropped right in the middle of all those schools. Um, so even Berkeley College of Music is right there. Like you can you're literally like a ten to 15 minute walk from all these uh, educational institutions. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I decided to stay. So I wanted to go to like um, a bunch of different schools, but my, my, the school that I wanted to really go to was RISD. Um, and that was like, you know, RISD had like this huge, um, like, they had like this huge like program and like everybody wanted to go there. It was like the, the name that everybody threw around. It's like the Harvard of kids who, I mean, I, it's probably not like, I'm sure people would be like, whatever, whatever. But at that time that RISD was the place to be, um, I'm, I'm adopted as well. So like, um, I found out that kids who are adopted in Massachusetts, um, if you, if you, intend on going to school and furthering your education in college, then you have an opportunity to get a scholarship. So for me, I was like, okay, money, like for college, like that's one of the things that kids are looking for. Like, because the first feeling is like, how am I going to pay for this? <clears throat> and even, you know, even if you got like parents who can help you out, college is expensive, no matter what angle you look at it. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in a state school. And I went and I looked at their school and I looked, I, I looked at the program. I had a really, really, um, good, like mentor, um, teacher, like from a very young age, he, he mentored me since like the age of like, probably like 11 years old. I think it was like 11 years old, but, um, Jamil Parker, he, uh, pretty much like helped me develop my portfolio from a very young age. Um, and and te- technically he was a high school teacher um, and, he, and I was, this was a high school program, but um, my mom and him, they, they saw something in me and allowed me to like take these classes, these like almost like college level classes at a very young age to develop my portfolio for college, um, which is, like I mentioned earlier, just a relationship of like one person just helping you, seeing something in you and then saying like, hey, you're doing it wrong. But the fact that you're doing it at such a young age, I want to help you. So Jamel Parker helped me um, work on my portfolio. I applied to uh, three schools, I think it was RISD, MassArt, and um, I think the other one was... uh, actually don't remember the other school actually uh savannah college of art and design Hmm. and uh, and that was kind of like i knew i wanted to do the fashion program so it was like but i also had interest in architecture um but mass art was like i'm so thankful that i went to that school because um just the programs that they have like the, the the fact that i was able to major in fashion but take other courses outside of my major and when I say like, I know another, a lot of other schools do that, but they allowed me to, um, I think there was like a, like a maximum number of, of outside courses that you could take. And I, I really maxed that out. Like I was doing 
I was taking like silk screening. I was taking like film classes. <laughs> like, like people who knew me, they were like, are you a fashion major? Like, what are you doing? So like the fact that I was able to just like jump outside of my major so much, it really brought so much to my major, you know, like, so being a fashion major, like I was able to like, to bring film in, I was able to, to dye my own materials and silk screen my own prints and patterns. And, um, like I, uh, even though I, uh, film is very much different from photography, um, doing film introduced me to cameras and, and getting into cameras introduced me to photography. So it's like, just being able to step out, um, and do these other, uh, mediums really like helped hone my skills in on fashion and like say, this is where I want to be, but these are the tools that I'm going to use to elevate my ideas in this, in this realm. Um, and then, and ultimately that, that allowed me to have a really strong senior collection. Um, it allowed me to compete in, um, competitions. Um, I, I was able to, to win a bunch of, uh, competitions and internships. Like I, I won an intern, I, or I didn't win it, but like I was offered an internship at Liz Claiborne. This was back when Liz Claiborne actually existed. I think now they're, they were purchased by Kate Spade. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, at the time I did a summer in New York and was able to do that program. So like, um, yeah, I, I, I really think that like mass art and also I know a lot of people always are always like, I want to get the hell out of the city, you know, wherever they grow up. They're like, I want to go somewhere else. I want to live, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I took it as like, I'm, I'm uh, able, I'm able to get an education and, um, you know, for a fair price and get a scholarship and. I'm able to stay in a city where I have tons of connections and I know people. Um, and then I'm also able to be in a, in a town that has tons of other colleges and kids are coming from all over the, the world to come to Boston. So I, I felt like I didn't need to travel the travel, like people who, the, the people were going to come to me anyway. So like, you know, I met kids from all over the world at, at all these schools. I didn't really need to leave Boston. And I, I know that, I think that's a unique um, thing because Boston is such a college um, city. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes, sometimes you just got to know like when to jump out of the water and when to like stay where you are and kind of like I, I, don't, I don't feel like I was done doing all the growing that I needed to do. So mass art really helped me um, finish growing so that I was able to move to places like Portland, Oregon or New York City. Um, yeah. Nice. So mass art, you studying fashion, I'm guessing and in our conversations, you let me know that it was a woman-dominated class schedule, where oh, yeah. you, at most of the time, were by yourself. You're the only man, uh, or one other man in the room. Um, how did that really shape your design aesthetic? Um, so, like, <clears throat> yeah, I was. So I, I was in. It was me and 
and a guy by the name of Ryan Grant Hayes, who um, was the only, we were the only two guys in, in fashion, in, in, in at, least, at least our class level, um, which were uh, sophomores. Um, and I think, and like, straight off the bat, like, it was like, I, I just remember being in the class and in the room and like having all these girls in there and then like literally like looking for another guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like there was a, there was a, um, one professor who, who was a guy. So I was like, oh no, okay, that's a teacher. And then, and then I like looked at Ryan and I'm like, okay, cool. Like there's, there's one other guy in here. Like, <laughs> um, and, but, but. At the same time, the fact that, like, now that I look back to that, like, the fact that I didn't feel weird, like, I didn't feel weird enough to, like, be like, oh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm in the wrong place, or, um, or am I really, like, suited for this? I, I felt like, clearly, this is something that I want, because, because I'm kind of outnumbered, or because I'm unique in the space, or one of, one of few, like, so... In that sense, I think it helped me, uh, and then also it changed my point of view of design. Like all those years of being in fashion and really like learning how to look at things that are flattering on the form, um, understanding what details are um, celebrated, either whether in men's, whether in women's wear. Um, I think a lot of my views of those things was was really molded by women um and and that's you know that's like when you're when you're designing and you have to show something to someone it's you know most of my teachers were women and most of my classmates were women so like i'm looking to them to say oh you know what do you think about this or what are your thoughts on um you know these these ruffles like is that too much uh should this skirt be like a little higher um you know, is this flattering on a woman's body? Like there, there is so much, I'm out of my depth on these things, but I'm also learning. And, and that was, it was, it was like, that was really fun for me. Like, I think those were the funnest times of my life because of just how much I didn't know and how much I did know at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, this is what, this is what I want to do. But does that make sense? for you know a woman's body and yeah. a lot sometimes you know i would work on men's items but i actually felt more comfortable working on women's wear um and which is odd like it was almost like it was it i was able to detach myself um like in, emo in an emotional way from the clothing um and really focus on the the functionality of it um so, cause it's like, I got to design this, but this is not for me. This is for another person's body. So now I have to like take into consideration all these attributes of why I'm doing certain things. Um, and it takes, it's like, this is not for me. I always had to remind for the, remind myself, like, these are things I, details I like and I appreciate, but it's not for me in the end. And that I think allowed me to, um, to really just like push my ideas even further. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I really think that I, I come to learn fashion from a woman's perspective. Um, 
and under the guidance of women, um, which was which was great. It gave me um, a great appreciation for, and then and I think I think menswear came easy after then after that. It was yeah. like menswear was so much much easier because it was it was just like women's wear is just really it's just really complex and I, and I think it it just requires a level of of attention and understanding and just appreciation for the female form so that's you said something in the um in the conversation beforehand you said that when you design and when you look at um anything that you're developing you look at it from a her perspective and that hit me like i was like damn that that's we can especially like any woman that's probably listening to this podcast they're they're sitting down and saying we need more of that right and we need yeah. to stop we need to stop just developing jordans and throwing pink on them and saying okay this is a woman's shoe now totally like man like how many times have i heard like uh we i like the boys colors like or i like the men's mm-hmm. colors like like why don't they do the women's shoes like that like why don't they choose and it's like I, I understand, you know, I understand the history of color and like, um, or, or the historical significance of pink, which actually used to be a, a color worn by men. Um, like, I, I understand what the world has told us, but then I also understand that like color is for everybody. <laughs> like, it's like, when did we develop these rules? And, and then at the same time, it's like, it's like, um, yeah, like I, I think back to your comment, like, or the looking at it from a her perspective is like, I think if, if women appreciate, if they appreciate it, then men will appreciate it. And I can explain that easiest by like, and guys know this, a lot of the things that men appreciate, they appreciate either because of women or for women. So a lot of the things that men like about cars and jewelry and like, just like, you know, beautiful food, a lot of like chocolate, a lot of like anything you think about in terms of design, a lot of that comes from either your appreciation of it because of a woman or you appreciate it because like for a woman like oh that would be i'll I'll, i'm gonna get this car because i appreciate it and girls girl when i when i drive around in it women women love they're like oh nice car like so like and i mean that's an archaic I'm, i'm sure that's an archaic um idea but it's still it still rings true in terms of the historical um, relevance of, of design. Like, I think historically when we look at design, a lot of things were either created for women or to entice women or to, to make men look a certain way. So I think if now that things are changing in the world, um, I think when you start looking at things for, from a her perspective, you start to it just shifts your mind. It shifts the way you think about everything. Um, you know, like I, I like, so 
I think um, when I was working on the like the World Cup, the Women's World Cup um, 19 uniform, um, those were those were details that I was like really thinking about in terms of like the hems and the the shaping on the uniform and like the the cuffs and the neckline that kind of like mitered V um, in the front of the neckline, the insert rib, like the kind of inserted rib at the sides of the the uniform, these kind of like sharp um, angles that came into the side of the uniform. Like those are things that were accentuating a woman's body, but also very making her look even stronger. Um, And I think, yeah, I just, I just, I've always gravitated towards of like how do we make this look strong and I don't I don't I I hate the word like feminine I don't want to say like how do we make it look feminine but like how do we make it look like it's it's fit for a a strong woman um yeah I feel it I feel it when we talk about your career journey that obviously has had a massive impact on the work that you've done. So you've you've made stops at Bodega early on. Uh, you've made stops at Reebok, Levi's, uh, obviously at Nike right now. You've worked at startups. Do you want to you want to take us on that career journey? Uh, how you got started and uh, ultimately where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so after right after Mass Art. Um, I was jobless. I was like most most uh, kids right out of school. Um, I had done a few internships and like I was looking for a job. Um, I was I had so my room. I, there was a group of guys that I hung out with in in college and like became great friends with in later in life as well or continued to be friends with. And um, one one of my roommate uh, Stan Sannon, who had like he he's an amazing graphic designer currently works for Puma like we were living together and he gets this opportunity to work for Reebok and he's like he's at Reebok um and I'm like I'm like hey man you know if you could put in a word you know that would be great and in the meantime I'm just like looking for jobs and another friend of mine um, Marvin Bino, who uh, recently passed away um, due to our current COVID situation, was um, he was working at Bodega and like he, um, yeah, he he. I mean, he had, so when I was working at Mass Art, I would I, I worked so hard in school. Like I would work on Saturdays and Sundays, and I would always be sewing. And I remember around four or five o'clock. Marvin would always like come down he, he was on like a really high floor I think it was like the 10th floor or something like that and then fashion floor was like sixth floor and he would come down and he would just like check out what I was working on um, and then when he was working at he, he was working at Bodega designing for them um, um, Marvin Bino and another guy um, Randy a um, good friend of mine as well um, they, they were, they were working on apparel design for, for Bodega and they would work on sneakers and like, these guys are like, they're like geniuses. Um, 
and he's like, hey, you know, maybe I, maybe I can mention your name to them, and, like, you could come in, show them your stuff, and, like, you know, see if you could work at the store. Um, but this, so this was, and keep in mind, like, this is, like, the, the beginning of Bodega, like, this is, like, in Boston, and, I mean, now they, they have stores on the East and West Coast, um, but, like, this is the beginning of their store, and I, I bring in my portfolio, Jay, Oliver, Dan, they look at my stuff, you know, it's a retail job. It's not, it's not a design gig. It's a retail job, in a startup. You know, streetwear sneaker shop in Boston. Like, but at the same time, it's very um, unorthodox in the way they ran the store. So, you know, one day you you might be coming up with some ideas for a T-shirt, and then the next day you're selling sneakers, and then the next day you're doing inventory downstairs. So, like, you know, I get the job. I'm working there a few days a week, um, you know, making enough to get by. Um, <clears throat> but um, the experience, the people that I'm that I'm meeting, like um, that that's what it was about. Like, you know, I met another guy by the name of uh, Marlon Taylor Wyatt, who who's who's like or he's like went to Boston Conservatory and is now like doing fashion runway shows Um you know, uh, like, these are the people that I'm meeting at this time, and, like, I'm just, like, kind of in it, but don't really know what, I, what I'm in, like, looking back, I'm like, man, that was, like, a piece of history, like, you know, there were, Tom Cruise came by the store, like, you know, Lady Gaga, you know, shot her first, uh, video with, with, um, with, uh, who was in, who was in, it was, it was Lady Gaga and, um, I can't remember his name, but yeah, like, you know, like people were just like, it was just like a really good time for that brand in the store. I mean, um, and just to be there, I was like honored to be in, in at Bodega during their, during their early years. Um, and people look back now and they're like, yeah, that was like a classic, um, spot. Um, uh, Wale, I'm sorry, I can't believe I forgot his name, but yeah, Wale, <laughs> Wale and Lady Gaga, like, shot one of their, like, first videos in that store, um, Damn. and, like, Jay, Jay is, Jay, the store, oh, he, like, he's a G, he just, like, knows everybody, like, you would never know that he, you, you, like, you never know who he knows, it's just like, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know Wale, or I know, I know Ludacris, like, <laughs> um, so, so, um, I'm working there. Um, I met tons of celebrities. I'm just selling sneakers, selling streetwear, getting to know the brands, even like, you know, Crooks and Castles, 10 Deep, um, you know, Visvum, uh, you know, like just like learning all these different brands and the construction details and just like getting super hyped up about it. Like, like just, just, I like, I, I found a love for, I wasn't really into sneakers, like to be honest, like. I wasn't a huge sneakerhead, but I became one at Bodega. Like, that's where I like. I was like, I was literally like, get, either either because I had access to it, I was coming home with like two two, maybe two pairs of sneakers a week. <laughs> so like, <laughs> those boxes were stacking in my closet. Like, um, and and it wasn't like I wasn't even wearing a lot of them. I was just like, oh, these are fresh. Like, I gotta 
had these or oh man like even the like creative recreations like back when those were hot or um you know just like uh the uh fight or f-i-e-t like just these like different unique sneaker yeah. brands that were that were weren't really known by many people but were like res- like respected amongst like streetwear heads um so like that was where i kind of got my start and then um, later on, I got an opportunity to to be an intern at Reebok. Like, you know, Stan came through, um, like my roommate at the time. Like, and this is where I talk about, like, managing relationships and, like, just, like, just being, being in the right place at the right time. And I was, like, so thankful for that. So, like, I start this internship and um, I'm just, like, working as an assistant doing any and everything, working on, like, you know, basketball, like, cads and flats for people and doing, like, tennis, um, like, tennis stuff, um, just, like, any and everything, like, really, whatever, whatever they, whatever they needed me to do at Reebok, like, that was what I was doing, and really just trying to, like, be open and, and, like, make sure that, they knew that I would do any, any and everything. Cause I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people show up and they're, and they're like, no, like, like I want to work on basketball stuff. Like that's, you know, I'm really interested. And it's like, I think pe- people would always be like, well, well, so, you know, what do you, what do you, what, what do you think is your, your skill? And I was like, I, I can do anything. Like, honestly, I feel like I can do anything. And this is even, even when I didn't know what I was about to do, like, they'd be like, oh, you can do anything. Okay, so just, like, work on this, like, women's tennis, like, these tennis bras. And I'm just, like, like going online and looking at, like, tennis bras and, like, the construction of them and, like, yeah. just bras in general, like, right? Because here I am back to, to looking at it from the point of view of her, um, you know, and trying to, like, obsess about all those details. And... I'm, I know that I got it right. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure I got it right in the end, but I'm sure that I I did a lot of things wrong in the beginning. Like I'm I'm certain of it. So, and I think that was the fun part. Like that was the fun part of just like being thrown out of my element. You know, um, being told to do like going from working on to working at a streetwear store to like doing like bras at like Reebok for like or or doing like a Cirque, a Cirque du Soleil collection. Um, you know, like that, that was, yeah, these are, these are like real projects that, that I was just like, I don't know what is going on, but I'm down, like I'm doing it. Like, um, you know, like my, my design director at the time was, um, Michelle Slobin at Reebok and she, she, uh, allowed me to work directly with her on, on the Cirque du Soleil, um, collection and I would, do I pretty much did all her flats like uh, I would bring her flat my flats in her office and she would change a few lines on it and say hey you know this needs this needs some more pleat tucks here or the ruffles you know make them look like ruffles on the on the cuffs or um like yeah like you know I need a tank top with like bra strap like a bra straps on it like or like yeah like it was just like just learning like just like not getting it always right but like learning and that's what I I think it it was how I approached everything that maybe made people more open 
to just saying like, because you know there are there are there are young people who approach things with they feel like they need to be confident in order mm-hmm. to um, come across as though they know it. But sometimes I would just be like, I don't know, like I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm I'm here as long as I need to be to make sure that I get it right. So it's that's more important than someone who maybe. Had, looks like they have the confidence and then gets it wrong. Like, you kind of have to just know what you don't know and then be able to ask the right questions to get the information you do know. Um, and then from Reebok, you know, I worked my way up the ladder for four years. Um, about four and a half years I was there. And then, and then 20, 2012 comes and there's huge layoffs. Um, and at that time I was, I was a... I had been hired. I was a product designer um, by then and working on multiple different collections from uh, Zig uh, training apparel to um, some of the Nike retro product for our uh, Reebok classic product um, from the apparel side. They had just started going into their collaborations with Swiss Beats and doing that clothing apparel. Um, and, uh, and then I got laid off. And then it was just like, okay, what do I do from here? Like, what's next for me? And I knew that I always wanted to be in the lifestyle um, part of fashion. Like, I, I, I enjoyed sportswear, but I wanted to get into lifestyle product. And back to the only other guy in, in uh, fashion, Ryan Grant Hayes, gave me a huge opportunity to work at Levi's. Um, and to work on custom jeans, so at at, at Levi's in their meatpacking store, um, and in uh, Manhattan, and these jeans, this was like uh, it's called their Lot One program, it's still running. Um, a guy by the name of Juna Morgan was the head tailor there, and um, also allowed me the opportunity to just like work under his wing and like learn everything I needed to learn about constructing a pair of jeans on a single needle uh, sewing machine and I learned I did that for a year and learned how to make a pair of classic 501 jeans like from everything from top stitching back pockets to constructing um, you know coin pockets and interior pockets and Mm. doing all the preparation work punching rivets in to hemming but at the same time I'm I'm also doing just general uh general uh, amendments in the store to people's pants like I'm doing hems I'm doing um like hemming people's pants or doing leg tapers cuz the store also offers um alterations so <clears throat> I had to be very multifaceted in that sense as well to like you know take direction from him for what he needed to construct the jeans on the day to day but also um like work work directly with customers who came in who needed just uh, gene alterations or um, I did denim repairs as well on on like a a darning machine. Um, so I'm I'm that's my day to day like for a year just like fixing jeans, updating jeans, coming home with blue hands, right? Like just working on denim all day, <laughs> come home with with blue fingernails and um, yeah, everything was done by hand there. So. That's a huge contrast from working on CAD 
um, every day at Reebok and having your collections made, you know, in in Asia and at a factory and only seeing protos when they come in in little garment bags, like to cutting everything, laying fabric out, having the fabric rest, putting your pattern pieces down, putting your weights on your patterns, you know, like all those little details. It was like I got back to the foundation of what I love to do. Um, but having the fluidity to go back and forth like that was because I never really, I never really thought, oh, well, this is what I want to do or this is what I don't want to do. I never, I never really had a mind of like, this is what I want to do versus I, I, I'm open to everything. Like, I, I just want to be a better designer. Like, and anything I don't, don't know, I'm like, I'm going to take that opportunity to learn it. So, um, yeah, I did that. And then I got an opportunity to work for Life Fitness, um, which is, they make gym equipment, but they wanted to go into the direction of making apparel. That didn't really work out well. Um, but it was a great opportunity to work for a startup um, apparel brand. And it actually helped me learn why a lot of brands don't succeed. Um like they they succeeded in the in the in the gym equipment and treadmill and running sector of the business but they didn't succeed in the apparel business and and i don't know if they're still going but at the time it was it came down to not having the, uh, the right expertise in certain areas and um just being able to be a part of that was huge for me because it was like i was given a lot of responsibility and then as well as I was given the opportunity to really work on a grassroots, grassroots company. So like, how did that differentiate between like your time at Reebok, like going fully corporate to that? Yeah. I, I think it was like, I think working, are you talking about life fitness? Correct. Correct. Um, I think it was like, you know, Life Fitness, they, they are a big company on the on the equipment side, but just just working with a company that didn't understand what it took to get to the apparel side or to mm-hmm. really like because it's like because people love your equipment and they love your your gym um, product, like are they willing to wear your do they trust you? Um, so maybe maybe it helped me learn about about um, brand trust, like trusting right. a brand, because it was it, it was like it was like I don't think people really trusted Life Fitness in terms of apparel and material and material innovation, um, yeah. and and I think that's the one thing they missed. Like, you know, if 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 they had partnered with a brand or they, or like let's say you know, Life Fitness made a deal with, with Hanes, right? And they were like, okay, you know, Hanes, they make the best t-shirts and they make the best underwear. And like, we're going to partner with them and we're going to like use our brand and their brand to elevate the story of like wearable sport, right? Um, Then it would have been like, okay, I trust Hanes. Like, I trust Life Fitness. Let's put this together. And, and I, and like that experience taught me like the importance of consumer trust, um, brand, like brand, like just a brand knowing that their consumers trust them 
and then also um, hiring the right people, like putting the right people in place so that you're not exhausting all your your resources. You're not um, you're not thinking too big, right? You're not creating collections that are too big, or um, and you're you're really focusing on like doing unique product with for people who trust you um with a reputable name so i yeah i think i think i learned a lot about about startups and why they why they hmm. they don't go well and then on the contrast i i also did free freelance work um for a brand called Johnji which is a running brand and they had huge success so um and they and they were a startup brand as well and they're still going and they have huge success. So like, I think, um, it's just a matter of like how, what you see, you know, what you, what your customer, what your consumer knows about you, what they trust about. And, and John G, you know, they didn't partner with anybody, but they, they were, they had a really great purpose of, um, doing humanitarian work and they, and they, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into to it, but like they they just they just like started in a different way, and they like so I, I think just working in these like small like unknown brands or for these unknown brands was really helpful for me to just like learn for myself like why startups are so hard and why they why they don't do well sometimes, and then and then why they have huge success. So yeah. Um, and then and then from there I went to Nike so like after after that it was kind of like all right like I I I think I got a little fed up with being um I think it was a it was a it was a hustle in New York City I think working Mm -hmm. for a lot of the small brands and like doing these startups and obviously like you know I loved working at these smaller companies but it just the money wasn't there so like you're in a situation where you have to take care of yourself and um another person mentioned my name um you know uh Darren um Johnson who's like uh he's someone that I worked with at Reebok um mentioned my name and yeah he just and then someone called me and said hey we we would love to see if you'd be right for an opportunity at Nike Hmm. Um, it's crazy how that works and it's crazy how you throughout this entire journey that you you spoken of you've built that connection list to say hey maybe i haven't talked to james in a little bit but i know he'd be perfect for this because i you decided to build those macro connections versus those micro connections exactly and and to be honest, like we didn't, we didn't even really work together on too many projects, but um, we had really, I think we had good conversations. And I remember um, Darren had like a, he had like a outside company that he worked on. It was a graphic agency and they, they did, uh, you know, like events in their, their studio and like you could come through and like, see all the graphic work they were doing this was outside of Reebok but um all the all the outside interactions that we had as well were like really unique and like 
just like really thoughtful person um you know like yeah. you know those people who like when they say when they ask you how you're doing you you could tell they really mean it like yeah. they they like they really want to know how you're doing versus like you know a quick passing like hey how's it going and then like that's that's it like there's no wait for the response like like i don't know he just those are the type of people who i feel like really um really helped me along the way like where they they really cared about how i was doing and i and i think that that's how i am like i don't it's like i'm the type of person who like i i don't like like it's hard for me to um to keep in contact with people um because it's not because i can't it's mainly because i know that i can't give them my full attention so I'm the type of person that will like might not hit you up for a while, but when I do, I'm like, "Yo, how's it going?" You yeah. know, verse versus being like every day, like, "How's it going? How's it going? How's it like?" It's like, "Yo, how's it going? I'm here." Like, you know, I'm I'm it's I don't know why I'm like that, but I'm like I just feel like if I can't give you my full attention, I shouldn't give you half of it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it just it seems like a disservice to both of us. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I mean, even today, where you sit, and I don't know if you can talk about um, the recent. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The recent changes to your role or anything like that, but like everything that you have built up to, every stop that you've made has really built upon not only that resume, but really has built upon James as the person. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that I hope that people feel like anyone who knows me, I, I feel like they know that I'll tell them that I won't tell them the answer they want to hear, but I will tell them the truth. Yeah. I think that that's the kind of, um, reputation that I want people to know. And I don't, and I don't, I'm not very like outspoken. Like I'm not, I'm definitely an introvert. Um, like I am, but I, I think when I do speak, I try to like say what I really mean. And oftentimes it's in a very abstract way. Cause I'm, you know, an artist and a thinker and a philosopher and very creative person. But like, I, I try to, um, I try to like give people my advice in the best way I know how and keep it honest um yeah and i and i think i think the work the work that we do as creatives will always be there like but the relationships that we build won't always be there so while they're there i think i just feel like it's important to take advantage of them and like really know the people while we know the people and then the work will always be there exactly yeah what uh what advice do you have to creatives um let's say let's not even just say that uh creatives that are trying to get into the sneaker industry but creatives in general just really trying to get their their foot in the door or get just the ground underneath them what advice would you give to them um yeah uh so yesterday i i was um 
yesterday I was listening to someone online. It was like a podcast or um, uh, something, and they they mentioned it was. It, I think they said like take like every day you should try to think of three things that you're thankful for and then in doing that like you know I like obviously like I start thinking I was like okay three things and then and then while I'm thinking about that I I I didn't know how to put it to words but I I thought about collaboration and I was like I don't really feel like like I, I I know that I'm talented, but I don't I I felt like the thing that really pushed me to where I am, and the thing that I feel like every creative could really really like they would take off if they if they focused on this is collaboration, and and the reason why is because I think so I I wrote this down I said collaboration is more important than any amount of talent. And the reason why I said that is because I I think we often overlook how many regular everyday people who are a part of something that runs, something that that thrives. Like, you know, uh nobody like for instance in the empire at the in the empire state building nobody cares about the guy who fixes the elevators but everybody mm-hmm. goes up and down the elevators every day just to see the view you know so like i think that like that's the important that's the way i think about it it's like if we can if we can get to the place where we where we like we we think about the guy who fixes the elevators or or we think about the janitors who sweep the hallways or we think about then it then it becomes easier to think about the person at the top who who just runs the company cuz it's all, it's almost like we think more like i think more of the person who picks up cigarette butts outside than the person who runs the company because there's in in the in the in in an abstract way like it's almost harder you know like it's a lot of times it's harder to think about the people who do the things that nobody cares about like nobody cares about who picks up the trash like at the like the like garbage truck drivers who who like pick up trash at like 5:30 in the morning you know but like those are the people who who make the sidewalks clear those are the people who make your street look nice when you wake up so that you can walk down it and there's not like smelly trash in your way um all we all we think about is the nice walk we had so i mm-hmm. i try to like always like i'd say my my advice would be to like remember that collaboration is like more important than any amount of talent like because it it's the person who's collaborating with you who you like maybe don't even see they are so valuable and you don't even know it yep like you don't even know like like and i learned that from from going overseas and working in factories and and um working jobs myself like i worked i worked 
you know, as a, in a hospital cleaning, cleaning rooms. When I was in college, I, I worked at Boston uh, Medical, just cleaning rooms. So like, I understand like from, at, from both ends of the spectrum of like doing the, the physical manual labor all the way up to being the person who tells someone to do the physical manual labor and the level of like empathy and the level of compassion that you need to have to speak to those people in all those positions so that they really feel like hey you are valued like you're not you are we're collaborating even though i'm telling you what to do we're collaborating i love that it's um the collaboration piece is is huge and just to be conscious of the fact that you're you're growing through collaboration is something that's massive to to any creative growing up or really trying to get their their the ground underneath them but we're wrapping up here i i do have to ask uh two more questions uh the first is going to be a little heavy hitting so um james when it's all said and done what impact do you want to leave on the world Um, I think like, so I mentioned earlier that, um, that I was adopted and I, um, mm-hmm. at a very young age, was, me and my sister were adopted at three and four. Um, and, uh, I, I just want to like, I wanted the impact I want to leave is like that you can, whatever you envision for your life, you can actually, you can do it. Like you can, you can actually do what you envision for your life. But more importantly than that, um, you have to see, you have to be able to see the people who are, who are willing to help you get there. Um, And like, that that I think really made the difference in my life, like, and that's due to a lot of different people, um, of just like everyone just like playing their part, but me, but also me being, being able to, to like be patient and like be open. So I I would say like the thing I want to leave behind is that like. I don't know. I just feel like I wasn't the one. I was. I don't feel like I was. I know that I was supposed to be where I am now, but I don't think that people thought it would be me. If that makes sense. Like I think that that I knew, and I think I had a feeling that I would do more and be collaborative and create things in the world and known as an artist but I I didn't know um, how I would get there so I would I would just say like you know the thing I want to leave behind is that that you can you can do whatever you want to do you just have to and it sounds so cliche I mean I think feel like I feel like everyone says that but like 
I, I have a long story. I mean, too long to really go into here. Um, but a lot of my family did not make it. You know, a lot of people around me did not make it. And, um, you know, it's... In, in all of that, I had to keep going. So, like... And it was... It, it was it's like, when it's all said and done, it's like, you just have to kind of... You just have to know, like, you got to keep going and you got to be open. And sometimes you got to, sometimes you're going to, sometimes it's going to seem like you really, like a lot of, a lot of my career has been, I don't really know what the next step is. I don't really know, but I'm, but I'm always willing to work. Like I'm all, I was always willing to collaborate. I was always willing to do the, I'm the, I'm the guy I'm the guy who who's willing to do the work that nobody wants to do just to be on the team. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I'm the water guy. <laughs> like 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 I'm the water boy, you know? Like I'm the I'm the person who's like, yeah, I'll, I'll carry water for now. Like until until we find another water guy. And like and and you know, and I'm I'm very humble in that sense like it's fine, you know, because like it's like I always thought about like what am I doing if if I'm not if I'm not the water guy then what am I? Yep. And then and then you know and then when I'm when I'm the player on the team and there's a water guy at least I know how the water guy feels. And then when I'm a coach and I'm coaching the team at least I know how the water guy and the team feels. So it's like I think it's just a journey and like you have to know that you're able. You get, you got to be ready to play all positions. You play all positions until you get the position you want. So I'll leave. I'll leave it there. Like that's the perfect way. Perfect way. Um, James, where can people find out more? Where can people follow your journey? Uh, check out more of your work. Um, yeah. So I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's JD. Um, or it's jd.b or buford jd.buford um, on Instagram um, and then jamesbuford.com is my is my website uh, I'm on LinkedIn yeah I mean there's 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 very few James Bufords out there <laughs> I've Googled I've looked, which is which is a is a blessing as well so <laughs> Well, James, I appreciate you jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast, and I look forward to following your journey, and hopefully maybe we'll do a part two. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks, Izzy. Thank you. Yo, thanks for listening to today's episode. Again, I want to thank you for listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. And if you haven't already, please review the podcast. It helps me a ton. Subscribe or follow us on Instagram at Strange on Purpose. 